to KL. Oh, what a response! Absolutely brilliant again from Mo Salah. Zidane, oh, fantastic! A chance for Ronaldo, and of course he takes it! Only football can make you feel like this. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Shooting Czars World Cup podcast. I'm Stuart Marshall and with me as always is Bryce Conway and Alex Grant. And after a few technical glitches this morning, we're here and we're ready. Good morning, guys. Good morning, mate. Morning, Stu. How are we all feeling after the uh, quarterfinals of the World Cup, Bryce? We'll start with you. Mate, I'm just this momentum of this amazing World Cup continues. A few cracking games, penalty shootout. Plenty of drama. It's had it all. So I'm, yeah, still absolutely loving it. What about you, Al? Bring on the final, mate. Football's coming home. <laughs> yeah, just skipping to the final. This is just a formality, really, isn't it? Yes, it is. We're just waiting for the final to happen uh, next Sunday. But football is indeed coming home. And, of course, it was a big theme in our last episode. And that theme is going to continue here on the Shooting Stars World Cup podcast because England got a regulation time win over Sweden, 2-0. After 90 minutes, they completely bossed the game, clearly the better team, managed the game well, did all the right things. It was a very professional performance in such a big match when uh, typically they've been known to crumble in those situations. Bryce, we'll start with you just to give us a bit of an analysis Yeah, I of mean, how the match played out. I think you're completely right. I think the Swedes simply couldn't match England's intensity and quality. As soon as Maguire's header went in, it was pretty much game over. They didn't really have any attacking threat. Uh, apart from a couple shaky moments where Pickford was, I mean, superb again, made some great saves. Um, but uh, Maguire's header, I mean, the boy from Sheffield, he's done it. It was an absolute rocket of a header. Um, and I think the one negative you could grab from such a positive result and performance would be Sterling's finishing was quite horrible. He's copped a lot of criticism due to a lack of goals and assists this tournament. But I feel he's, he's, he's kind of like England's Robbie Cruz in this tournament. Does all that hard work off the ball and his runs are very important. But... The media are really getting on his back, I feel. Yeah, you just feel that if England were losing, Raheem Sterling would be getting even more stick. So he still seems to be getting a lot of stick in a winning team. But Alex, what do you think about the whole Sterling situation uh, for England going forward? I think it's extremely harsh on him. And he's he's actually playing well. And people don't recognise um, the runs that he makes in behind. Um, he stretches defences. Um causes havoc in behind for for teams like Sweden um, and he's done it elsewhere in the tournament as well. So I think one part of his game obviously is, has been his finishing that has been questioned but he's getting in those positions that causes teams trouble problems and I think that's that's been a real good positive sign in my opinion um, from his game. Do you think that people are too... Quick to forget the fact that he scored nearly 20 goals or scored 20 goals for City during the season now? I think it's just the fact that Kane's firing, everyone else is chipping in with a goal here or there, and the fact that Sterling has had opportunities to score, I think that's probably the reason why he's copying the most stick. I think if you look at these chances in the Sweden game, I remember one that stands out is the ball that went over the top and he took a magnificent torch. That oh, was amazing. And, the, and then the keeper comes out and puts pressure on him. And he takes a touch, but the, t- the keeper gets a, a touch on the ball. I think the keeper does everything right. Sterling does everything right, but then you're asking for him to lay it back to Kane first time and instead he tries to shoot and wins a corner. Um, probably that's the only scenario I can think of where he maybe should have passed to Kane instead of 
taken a shot himself. But like I said, he's getting in those positions to score. Do you reckon the um, media is just on him? Like they needed a scapegoat. They needed something negative to latch onto because everything has been so positive. Yeah, of course. That like the English English media are renowned for being negative against the English team and getting on the backs and things like that. And the fact that they're probably doing so well is he's probably winding them up slightly because. They've got nothing interesting not, to talk yeah, about. They're not used to it. They're not used That's to it. They're like, where? What do we grab onto here? Paul Sterling's been the subject of it. I just wanted to, I mean, I thought Trippier and Henderson were outstanding again in this game. Um, I mean, they've probably been two of England's best so far this tournament. Um, the fun fact, courtesy of Opta Joe here on Hendo, I mean, he's he's not ended on the losing side in any of his last 30 England matches, so 123 and drawn seven which is the longest unbeaten run of any England player in history. I mean, that's a seriously good omen heading into the semis and obviously the final of this tournament. Yeah, that is a ridiculous stat, especially Huge. for a player in an England team. So, yeah, and, and another stat is England have now scored 11 goals in the 2018 World Cup. And the last time they scored 11 goals in a World Cup was their winning campaign in 1966. Just so good omens sort of everywhere. Omens, yeah, yeah, yeah. All these omens are sort of being brought out from all over the shop. Uh, courtesy of the English media, but they're playing really well. Um, yeah, I, I'm just. How do you think the team? Do you think the team will shape up this in the in the same going into the next match? Bryce, we'll start with you. Well, I think you'd think so because the momentum and run has been very good. I mean, besides that, their reserves team playing the Belgium reserves in that last group game. I think it's been quite consistent, and I think that's really helped the side. Um, I think I'd like to see Rashford come on a bit earlier depending on how the score is going. Um, I think the only question mark for me would be Deli Alley's spot in the team. I think he's been extremely underwhelming this tournament and I know he got that headed goal. I mean, he was unmarked to the back post. There were three. That marking was horrible yeah. by Sweden. Didn't have a great game. No, nah, he didn't. And you could see even when he scored, wasn't a huge celebration. He, when he came off, he knew he didn't play well. You could see it by his body language. So... I don't know whether he's carrying a knock or something, but he's just really not himself, and I think that's something I'd have to look at. But then I've just heard that Henderson's got a bit of, under a bit of an injury cloud with hamstring tightness, but I can't see him missing due to just tightness. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see how they line up in midfield. But no, nah, big question marks over Ali for me. Yeah, fair enough. Um, we'll do a bit of a preview later in the episode this time around, but I want to just talk uh, of the semi-final games, that is, but I want to talk about Gareth Southgate. And I suppose with England getting to the semis, people are now starting to think what is going to happen to England if they actually win the World Cup. <laughs> what do you think will happen to what do you think will happen to Gareth Southgate's career? Knighted. Straight yeah. away. What do you think, do you think will happen will. to Gareth Southgate if if England win the World Cup? What will happen to him? Alex. I think he'll remain as England manager. He'll probably fail at the next Euros and get sacked <laughs> after probably a week. Um and then just jump on the on the rotational system that they seem to have in the FA there <laughs> probably go down to a, probably end up at a Premier League club get relegated and then bounce around to another few <laughs> Premier League clubs yeah just get recycled yeah and, and that's generally <laughs> what happens isn't it but no no, no I'm, hope, I'm hoping he stays England manager for a long time after this because he's yeah. um, he's done a tremendous job and it's really great to see his passion and his belief yeah. in the in the squad that he's got. Yeah, I think you're right about the whole knighthood thing. I definitely think that's going to happen if England, Harry, Harry Kane and Gareth Southgate are probably the two I, most likely. To I remember, get I remember, I remember. I think after 2003 and England won the Rugby World Cup, um, it was Clive, Clive Woodward, wasn't it? He he was knighted yeah. after, after a short period. So yeah, you'd expect. Did Johnny get it? Um, Did Johnny get knighted or anything? The boot. 
an OBE or anything? I recall he got an OBE. I think he got an OBE. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure if he got knighted, but maybe. Well, if David Beckham can get an OBE for being David Beckham, then Gareth Southgate should definitely deserve to be knighted if he wins England with the World Cup as manager. Oh, definitely. But yes, another little stat here from that match is Harry Maguire, of course, is one of the heroes from that game. And Maguire became the fourth player to score their first England goal in the knockout phases of a major tournament. So Harry Maguire, the boy from Sheffield, who sort of had a meteoric rise. Um, yeah. And people are now calling him the cornerstone of the English defence and England can't really do without him. But he is he's a bit of a brute of a man. England seems to have really nailed it with Stones and Maguire this World Cup, Bryce. Yeah, two relatively young players as well. They've, I mean, they've got great experience in the Premier League. Obviously, John Stones more so than Harry Maguire. I mean, he joined Leicester last season from Hull when they got relegated, but he's been he's been fantastic for them. And then John Stones obviously has been great. He's a great ball player, um, really composed on the football book. I mean, his defending's been great as well. Um, and Maguire's goal was their eighth goal from set pieces out of eleven. Yeah, this tournament, exactly. which is quite that's huge. Hmm. So I think it'll be interesting to see if uh, you know if Croatia can match them in the air. I know they've got Vida and Love and big centre backs. They've got some big lads in that team. So it's going to be interesting to see if England can still you know take advantage of their um, attacking prowess from set pieces in that game. Definitely. We'll like I say, we'll do the preview at the end of this episode. But just the other, <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself here. <laughs> the other yeah, result. Calm down, Bryce. Calm down. Yeah, I know, it's quarter past seven, I'm getting rowdy. <laughs> uh, the other results from the quarterfinals were Belgium beat Brazil 2-1, France beat Uruguay 2-0, and Russia-Croatia played out an epic 2-0 after 120 minutes, and Croatia prevailed 4-3 on penalties. We'll start with the Belgium and Brazil game, probably the two biggest teams, the biggest clash of that uh, quarterfinal round, and Belgium showed their class and uh, proving me wrong in saying that this golden generation won't deliver. They are delivering in spades. Uh, Bryce, what did, you, yes. what did you make of it all? Um, look, cracking game. I think uh, Belgium's counter-attacking football again has, I mean, to catch Brazil, who are a I mean, notoriously quick team, um, even at the back, to catch them on the counter like they did with De Bruyne's shot. And then, I mean, it was an unfortunate opener with Fernandinho elbowing it into his own net from uh, Nasser Chadley's corner. A bit, a bit fortunate for Belgium there, but I just think Coutinho, for me, has been the standout for Brazil. Uh, I think he's eclipsed Neymar. Um, the assist Coutinho made for Renato Augusto's, I mean, it was a consolation goal in the end, was just absolutely, it was just tasty. It was, it was absolutely perfect. Yep. And to be honest with you, I'm happy to see Neymar out of the tournament because yep. I think he's had a very negative effect on the world game in this tournament, if I'm going to be brutally honest. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think a lot of the pundits around the world are saying the same thing that Neymar has done. He's doing the game harm by the amount he rolls around on the ground and that sort of stuff and has done, yeah, has, has been on the ground. There was this funny study. Neymar spent about 11 minutes on the ground throughout like the World 14. Cup. 14, oh, yeah. 14, was it? Ridiculous. Yeah, so. And then five minutes alone in that Mexico game. I just think he's perpetuated one of the most negative stigmas towards the sport. Yeah. I, I mean, there's already been adverts like this. There's KFC out in South Africa taking the mickey out of him where he rolls all the way from the game to a KFC. Yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just gives material to those AFL and rugby fans who rubbish football because of nonsense like that. And I just think, yeah, no, he's again grinding my gears. And I think it's, I think more people are starting to get onto that, that sentiment that he's doing more harm than good at the moment. No, I agree with you. Um, 
Granty, what do you think about? Um, I read that Brazil don't have a strong enough midfield. Obviously, their front four throughout this tournament was ridiculous. But in terms of the likes of a defensive holding player like Paulinho or whatever, they didn't really have that real strong force in the center of the park. What do you sort of make of that sort of uh, notion from the Brazil perspective? Well, you've got Paulinho and you've got Fernandinho in there, and I mean, if if they can't do a job, I don't know who can. To be honest with you, if you look like if you look at the second half um, of the Brazil game, they 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 overran. Belgium in the midfield and um, Belgium's defence were just overrun at times but I think Courtois he, pulled, he had pretty much a yeah. perfect game, and, game. And he did and, and Brazil didn't have really many clear cut chances and it took an unbelievable ball from Coutinho to um, to provide Augusto with the um, with the Brazil's goal um, but yeah there's something lacking there in that Brazil team I don't know what it is um, that's just get that's just not made him get over the line this tournament. No. I think Casemiro being suspended was a huge out for them. He's been that rock in central defensive midfield that's really helped them so far this tournament. I think he was a huge out for them and played a vital role in them not getting through against Belgium. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, he's been amazing all season at Real Madrid, so I think they desperately missed him. Yeah, yeah. So definitely uh, state of flux now for Brazil. How will they uh, progress? to the next World Cup in four years' time. The other two results, uh, France and Uruguay. France sort of stamped their authority on this tournament and look like the team to beat, in all honesty. They haven't really been troubled up to this point. Um, Kylian Mbappe is under an injury cloud heading into the next round of fixtures or heading into the semifinal. Um, but, yeah, no Edison Cavani for Uruguay in this one. France prevailed 2-0 to book their place in the semifinal. A bit stiff on the Uruguay perspective, Alex. I know you were following that. Um, obviously no Cavani no Uruguay it seems only Suarez Suarez couldn't really get the job done himself could he well yeah I said before the game that if both of them were playing and they were both firing then they'd probably come out on top but unfortunately Cavani was um, too tall to play was it his calf I think he was, he was yeah lower, lower leg injury yeah. Yeah. was that one against Portugal that he sustained and he had Ronaldo walking him off but yeah that's right yeah. And, and you can just tell I mean to be honest with you, it wasn't the most exciting game. There wasn't a lot going on in it, but I think um, Griezmann, Griezmann sec- for the second goal, had a shot from a fair way out, and the keeper goal made keeper. an absolute, yeah, absolute blunder where the ball's coming. Oh, kind of, mate, that it, was horrible. To yeah, see, wasn't it? It's, it's how damaging! His hands and, it's so damaging for a goalkeeper to make like a critical error like that, like a blunder in a World Cup. Obviously, Loris Karius did it twice in the Champions League final. And that's obviously on the same sort of like scale or the size of the match. But if you're a keeper, like doing that at a World Cup just must make your heart sink, Bryce. Oh, oh mate, he just felt so sorry. I mean, he's been so good for Uruguay for almost a decade now. And he's an absolute legend at Galatasaray in Turkey. He's had such a great career. And it's just, you just, you pray that this isn't what he's remembered for. But I mean, it's on the world stage. Millions of millions of people watching. But I I just want to focus on the positives with this game. And I just think Mbappe is one of the most exciting players you can watch in world football right now. I absolutely love watching him. Yeah, he's, he's just been taking a Mickey in this World Cup. I thought he was really quiet in this game, and I I thought he 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 just floated in and out, and you didn't see much of him in the game. To be honest with you, yeah. But he had he had those flashes. Like I don't think he needed to show too much in this game because they had it under control and they got that that they were one nil up. He could control the game and manage it. But when he turned it on, his little his turn of pace getting past players was just with ease. 
yeah. and his cheeky little nutmegs whenever he wanted was just unbelievable. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think he's just showing great poise and quality uh, beyond his years, and I just can't wait to watch him for the decade to come. Really, um, it's sad to see Uruguay go, but I did. I think Grant is right in saying there wasn't too many flashpoints to this game, but I did really enjoy. As soon as Uruguay knew they were done, they just got proper dirty. Um, and they had Hernandez come off the bench, who's built like a brick, whatever, and just be like a Sunday league player kicking everyone, kicking lumps out of everyone. There was a bit of a melee on the sidelines with Pogba grabbing people's heads and things like that. It was I loved that. It was good to see a bit of a, another old-fashioned melee in this World Cup. A bit of bite in this one, but yes. It's, exactly. It's going to be an all-European semi-final fixture, and obviously no South American team has progressed to the semi-final for the first time in a very long time. So... Uh, interesting times for South American footy, uh, but mm. definitely all European uh, f- semi-final and it will be final as well. So strong position is Europe as always. Uh, the last game in that uh, quarterfinal round was Russia v Croatia. This is the closest one, and now Croatia have prevailed four three on penalties, as I said at the top, to make that two penalty shootout victories this tournament. Yeah, I watched this one a bit closely, and Denis Cheryshev has just turned it on once again. And I, I want to know, how, do, how does a bloke like him score three of the best goals of his life on the, <laughs> on the biggest stage of all? What do you reckon? How has he flown under the radar? He's been unbelievable, hasn't he? Yeah. I think I think that it, he'll probably end up getting a move now. Mm. Another move. Oh, you'd reckon, yeah. Yeah. Back to Real Madrid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, honestly, I, I think he's one of those, like, a bit of a James Rodriguez kind of player where he has a great World Cup and then gets, gets a move and... We spoke about it with last in the last step with the um, Golden Boot winners, but yeah, it's something I can probably see in his name floating around another big team. Sometimes, yeah, I can see him to... probably doing uh, maybe as good as Gary Lineker did when he uh, <laughs> when he left in Barcelona. So who knows? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I thought. In fact, actually, whilst we're on that subject, I thought we were going to <laughs> oh, here we go on this episode, Bryce. Yes. Oh no, I <laughs> I fluffed that. I got that completely wrong. He did amazing. <laughs> <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, yeah, he's he, he's he's had a fantastic World Cup, and it's a shame that Russia haven't made it through to the semi-finals because it would have been good for them. Um, the whole yeah. game so far, but they've done extremely well, yeah. and um, they've they've surprised a lot of people. I mean, we we predicted that they'd do all right. Um, well, you probably, and I did, yeah. Bryce. Bryce said that yeah, yeah, well, no, yeah. I listened back to it. I got that. I called them weak sauce, and they make the they almost make a semi-final. Yeah. What do I know? <laughs> Why do people listen to yeah, me? I don't know. There you go. Uh, <laughs> no, it um, yeah, Dennis Cherishev's really turned it on. He scored the goal in the last game. If you haven't seen it, any of the listeners definitely go back and watch the highlights from it. He set the game alight. He scored in the thirty-first minute, and it was one of the biggest belters of the goals. One touch, bang from you know. 30 came minutes. out of nowhere. Yeah, came out of nowhere. But Russia, uh, Croatia, prevailed on penalties. There was two extra time goals in this match. Obviously, penalty shootouts are a game of chance, but. Uh, Croatia are going to cause England a few issues going into that semi-final. Obviously, they've probably got arguably the best midfield in the world with Ivan Rakitic and Luka Modric from Barcelona and Real Madrid, uh, respectively. So, I guess we can look forward to England's game now. We'll do a bit of a preview on it, how, or especially this matchup. How do we expect that one to go? I do think it'll be another a tight tussle, don't you think, Bryce? I, I do indeed. I just, I just have to touch on Russia just quickly. Yeah, I just think that little subplot of them going so far in the tournament has made this World Cup so memorable oh, yeah. for me. And I think sure. so many people got on board with it and especially the home nation. I mean, as we discussed on probably our first episode, 
all the home fans were thinking they're going to do nothing and it's just going to be very disinteresting. And even Daniel Garb noted there wasn't that real buzz or vibe around the country mm. um, in regards to football because everyone's kind of like, yeah, whatever, we're not going to do well. But I just think a huge credit to them for you know doing what they did. But Croatia are going to be prevent present rather a, a big challenge to England. Before you go on about, we'll start quickly. Uh, yeah, that's all good, Bryce. Yeah. But we'll talk about the important stuff now. And England have got to. Got to really <laughs> There's more it. to this World Cup than England, believe it or not. No, no. I, I, you bring up <laughs> you, bring, you bring up an interesting point in terms of how Russia have actually like influenced this World Cup, and a lot of people, yeah. obviously, from a I suppose a political and social perspective, Russia are really surprised a lot of people, and a lot of the commentary coming out of Russia of, is of how well. The Russians have uh, been and how helpful they've been and just sort of how nice mm. the country actually is and how uh, poorly perceived it is from the outside world and you know all the political stuff that goes on really isn't an accurate reflection of how especially Western culture have been treated in Russia and obviously with Russia doing so well in the World Cup as well it's sort of added to this um, you know happy nature around Russia and obviously Russia have been really uh, really involved in this World Cup, and it's been good for the World Cup. A lot of people are calling this World Cup one of the best World Cups yet. Oh, for me, definitely. Mm. Like, undoubtedly, I thought 2006 in Germany was amazing growing up, but I think this has eclipsed it now. I yeah. think this has just had it's had everything. I know we've still got semis in a final to go, but just it's been. I think, mm. yeah, and I think Russia, bit doing so well, has played a huge role in that. And I just, I loved Russia's coach Stanislav Cherishov. He was amazing. He's just got he's like this Benny Hill like character with his mo, his portly stature, and he's just trying to get the crowd on their feet the entire game. I just thought he was fantastic. Mm. So it's, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss that guy. I'm gonna miss him. Yeah, no, it's uh, definitely been a success from a Russia perspective, um, and yeah, it's been really good according to all reports coming out of Russia. So long may it continue for the rest of the tournament. But semi final previews, obviously Croatia, England, as we were talking about previously or before. Um, yeah, England. Before I rudely interrupted, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Apologies, boys. England, uh, yeah, going to have a tough match. A lot of people are tipping Croatia to get through. Um, who, who are they favourites? Yeah, yeah, they, they are. There's, there's a lot of talk about Croatia getting through, but, of course, it's coming home. I know Alan Shearer in particular is all <laughs> on board here for England. How are England going to beat Croatia, Alex? Um, it's a tough one. It is a real tough one. Um, like you said, the midfield is, is where it's going to be won. Um, I think you're going to, everyone's going to have to step up and Raheem Sterling might have to actually put a ball in the back of the net this game. But England have looked, have looked pretty solid throughout the tournament, in my opinion, and they haven't looked too shaky at the back. There's been a few times when Pickford's obviously had to pull them, pull them out of trouble a, a couple of times, but... Um, the majority of the shapes work quite well, I've found, and they regain the ball really quickly. That's one thing I've noticed. They like to win the ball high on the pitch. They put pressure on straight away. As soon as they give the ball away, they're um, they're trying to win the ball back. And then if they don't, if they don't win it back straight away, they get it back into a defensive block, um, and they seem very hard to break down. But Croatia are another team who probably going forward haven't looked too great. I know they scored three against Mexico early on in the tournament. But they've not scored that many goals, and again, they've defended quite well. And I just think it's just the tournament itself has been um, has really showed how well teams can defend, and teams on the counter have had to be really good. Yeah, I think where England can 
break Croatia down. Um, Croatia have got on um, their right fullback Vaseliko is out with injury, and he's been very important, I think, for Croatia. And I, I, I can't see Strinic on the left hand side being able to cope with the pace of the English wingers. So I think the key for England in this game is getting Sterling involved um, and getting the wingers really involved in this game and taking advantage down the right and left hand side. So I think the pace on the counter attack and just in general is going to be key for England. Um, getting the win here, to be honest. What's what's both your tips for this match to wrap this one up? I'll go one nil to England. Uh, Harry Kane with the goal. I'm going to say two one England. After ninety or one hundred and twenty? After ninety. Ooh, what about you, Bryce? After ninety? <laughs> yeah, I'm going after ninety. I think. Um, I think. I mean, watching Croatia against Russia. Um, they've. I mean, Croatia have played a, a lot more football after playing that. I mean, I know yeah. uh, England have had a penalty shootout, but coming off. You know, the quarterfinal straight into a semi, having played so much football, I think at the end you could see some tired legs from Croatia and England coming out on top with their their fitness and pressure, yeah. which has been superb so far this tournament. I think that's a good shout. Croatia have now played in two penalty shootouts back-to-back in knockout stages matches. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they're going to be really, especially if it goes extra time, they're going to be out on their feet, no doubt about it. Uh, they're professional um, athletes. They can do it. <laughs> yes. Get them some pickle juice, they'll, yeah, be, they'll fine. be fine. They will. The other one is France, Belgium. This is probably the matchup of the tournament so far. Um, yeah. maybe many people maybe would have predicted this in the final, but it's coming to us in the semifinals. This is a, a very, very tight one. I was, oh, France have looked looked really, really, really good, looked really, really, really solid, which is I didn't expect it, but so did Belgium. Oh, it's just the attacking threats everywhere, but I think Belgium are going to going to go all the way here and going to get to the final and going to play England. So I'm going it's to be a belter, isn't it? Yeah. But the England Croatia game, I'm going to tip 1 0 to England after 90 as well. And the France Belgium game, I'm going to go uh, Belgium to win on penalties after 2 all after 120 minutes. Bryce. Oof. Yeah, I said 2 all. France been on pens. So same line of thinking, just different winner there. I just think, um, yeah. No, either way, I think it's going to be an absolute cracker. I wonder if we rang Thierry Henry up and we asked him who'd. Oh. Who'd he be tipping for this game? I wonder what he'd say. Yeah, well, it's interesting you bring that up. And for the listeners who don't know, Thierry Henry is Thierry Henry is a legend of uh, world football, and he is a, the assistant manager at Belgium. But he's French. After playing so many games for France and doing so well for them at the national team level, winning a world I think Cup all the cameras going to be on him. Ninety-eight. Yeah, I just think all the um, all the cameras going to be on him for reactions the entire game. Yeah, and like goals, anything, just seeing, just kind of gauging his reaction will be very interesting. I feel, and there's a lot of talk that his uh, allegiance is going to be with Belgium in this one, but is it really? I wonder. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think um, externally, <laughs> I think externally he'll show it, but then internally he'll be wanting France. I mean, not wanting, but just there'll be something in there. No, he will be wanting France inside, hundred percent. It it depends how much Belgium are pay, paying him at the end of the day. Yeah. What's his payback? Yeah. yeah. But no, I think we, we pointed out at the start of the tournament that we weren't sure how the Belgian players would would perform this tournament. We all we said that on paper they've got an amazing team. And I actually think it's really good that they've kind of proved us wrong in a sense and they have done really well. And we questioned Martinez mm. as well and whether he had the, the capabilities as a manager to, to lead a team like this to a to a World Cup final, but he's cut himself in the best position possible, which is a credit to him, I think. But I think that yeah. the um, it's a real clash of styles in this game. They're both really attacking teams. You've got the likes of Lukaku, 
Hazard, De Bruyne, and then you've got Griezmann and Bappe, Pogba. They're all just massive names in world football, and they're all got so much quality in the games. I think it's just it's meant to be an amazing. It's going to be an amazing game. Um, I think tactically it's going to be amazing as well, Grant. Yeah. Just Absolutely. how both sides are going to cope with each other's attacking and how they're going to approach the game, whether they're going to go all out or whether they're going to try and manage the game and try and keep it defensive. I think it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, I, that's what I mean. I think that the styles are so similar that it will be a very good game. I think um, head-to-head, they've played these two teams have met 73, team, 73 times, France winning 24 um, and Belgium actually winning more. Um, they've won thirty. Jeez, I mean, and it's a bit of a derby of sorts, isn't it? I mean, they're geographical neighbours, and just so much history between the pair, following the French Revolutionary Wars in the late seventeen hundreds. But I'm guessing nobody cares about that except me. So that's me. There were no secrets on the pitch as well because they all speak French. Exactly. You can't be can't be chatting crap about anyone else, no. can you? A few few hands over mouths trying to mumble things, but yeah, that won't work really. Oh, Bryce, you're a funny man sometimes. <laughs> no, um, yeah, France, Belgium, big big game. But we'll move on to some other quirky news before we bring you a World Cup rewind to finish off the pod. Uh, if you didn't see it, Zlatan Ibrahimovic and David Beckham prior to the England Sweden game put on a bit of a wager over Twitter, and David. Ibrahimovic, if, for the listeners, if you don't know him, is a Sweden uh, national team legend and quite a big personality in the sport. And obviously, you've heard of David Beckham, I'm sure. Uh, but what was the bet? The bet was if England win, and David Beckham's English, then uh, Zlatan had to come to Wembley and watch uh, the next England national team game there after the World Cup wearing an England shirt and eating fish and chips. And if Sweden won, uh, Beckham had to take Zlatan to Ikea <laughs> and buy him anything he wanted. But of course... Yep. England won that one, Bryce. Yeah, can't wait to see our old Zlatan in the old three-line three shirt. That'll be great fun. But I just think that was just brilliant to yeah. see before the game, just a bit of banter between two absolute iconic legends of the game. Yeah, good um, But then, yeah, exactly. And then just on IKEA, I mean, uh, so there were English fans actually stormed stores across the UK just jumping on furniture singing It's Coming Home, which was hilarious. Yeah. Obviously... Don't condone that sort of behaviour, but it was it was real funny. Uh, and then IKEA then made fish and chips across all UK stores one pound. So that's what you get, that's what you get for getting on a roll, and that's the magic of the cup. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, footage emerged of England fans jumping all over and call uh, furniture and causing an absolute ruckus in IKEA. Um, <laughs> the ruckus everywhere. All those videos were absolutely hilarious. There's people falling through like bus stop yeah. kind of top roos and things like that. It was just mayhem. Yeah. It's just been brilliant. I've got a, a mate, Eddie's heading over to the UK now for the semifinals and finals. So I'm extremely jealous of him going over to be, you know, be in that environment. And considering it is so positive as well, I just think it would be amazing to be there right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, the other funny one was, I don't know if this is true, I read somewhere that Buckingham Palace were playing the It's Coming Home tune out of their PA speakers. <laughs> I hope that is true. I really. You can do. imagine the Queen just partying around the Buckingham Palace with um, Prince Philip and that, having a right good old time. Yeah, yeah. Got the kid on as well. She'd be loving Listen, it. Yeah, I'd that. love some validation on that one. So, if any of the listeners get some validation <laughs> on that, please let me know. Um, other interesting news, or this is a bit of a clash. Wimbledon's on at the moment, and the Wimbledon final and the World Cup final are scheduled to be on at the same time, which is going to split viewers in the UK. Especially, no English person will get, or no English player will get to the Wimbledon World, uh, Wimbledon final. If you like both of those sports, like I do, 
Um, yeah, you're gonna have to be splitting your time between the two. Is it a competition though, Stu? Really? No, no, World no. Cup so it's like every four years, yeah. I know. But if Roger Rafa, you know, if that happens again, everybody wants to watch that. Um, just, 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 yeah, record that one, Stu. You can watch that the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, come on. I can't man. even believe you're talking about them in the same breath. This, that's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, why is this? Why is this being brought yeah. up? I can't, I just, I'm just yeah, Stuart, come on, Stu. Uh, Gay priorities uh, in order, mate. I'm disappointed. Well, anyway, I thought I'd just bring it up for you guys. If anyone likes tennis, you got to factor that in. Um, another one is uh, like oh, sorry, yeah, to wait, no, the, the Tour de France is I think is the fifth. Uh, <laughs> it'll, be the, it'll be the eighth stage. Like, no, it's the mountain stage. As so well, if we've yeah. got any cyclists. Um, <laughs> listening on the pod then that'll be on that night so just flip, fit the World Cup on record and you can watch that stage this is now yeah, a, exactly. this is now a World Cup slash people slash Tour de France podcast for all the multi multi we're branching out no yeah. alright some other funny news to wrap this one up um, Harry Maguire's fake tweet so if you if you're a fan of the sport I'm sure you've seen this so Harry Maguire scored against Sweden and then tweets emerged apparently of Maguire uh, tweeting Back in the day, saying something along the lines of setting up a you know a flat pat bed or whatever from IKEA, can't figure it out. I will get my vengeance on this team one day. Something along those lines, isn't that right, Bryce? Yeah, yeah. Just spent four hours packing a flat pat effing desk lamp. I will seek vengeance on the nation of Sweden in this life or the next. Yeah. Which was unfortunately shown to be fake yeah. I mean I thought that was brilliant and very believable fake so, tweet yeah. that's the internet being fake for you guys so don't let it fool me uh, don't let it fool you like it fooled me fake news on shooting yes. ours. fake news it's global that's uh, enough of the wrap up we're going to finish this episode on a World Cup rewind and a quiz this one's brought to you no we're just going to do the rewind today. Oh, we're going to save the quiz oh, for the we, next we yeah, wanted we, a quiz no, you no 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 we're going to save the quiz for the uh, Final few episodes uh, to wrap up the World Cup. But this World Cup Rewind is brought to you by Alex Grant, I believe. Alright, well, World Cup Rewind, here we go. Well, it was 12 years ago, yesterday actually, that one of the most iconic images of the FIFA World Cup took place when... The France great Zinedine Zidane headbutted Matarazzi in the final of the 2006 World Cup. Do we all remember that one? Oh, how can we forget, mate? Probably the most iconic footballing moment for our generation, I'd say. Zinedine Zidane never went and play, never played another professional match. That's the, the lasting memory yeah. from that man's career, isn't it, Al? I think I just have that that image in my head of him being sent off and walking past the trophy and with his head head down. Yeah. And yeah, it was such it was such a a bad way for it to end for him, wasn't it? After such a great career yeah. for France, and yeah, it was so disappointing. Definitely, and just even his peno in that game to have the the balls on him to Panenka hit the crossbar and it goes in on in on the line against Gigi Buffon, probably the best goalkeeper of his generation. Just showed, I mean, it showed the best and worst of Zidane, like his absolute sheer undoubted talent, and then just that seeing red at the end there against Matarazzi, headbutting him in the chest. It just that, for me, will forever stand out as one of the most iconic matches I've ever seen. Moving on. Well, England have not been in the World Cup semi-final since 1990, where they lost to West Germany in the semi-finals in Italia 90. Um, and West Germany went on to beat Argentina 
uh, in the final um, to lift the trophy in the end. I think they scored a penalty late on in the game, in that in that game. It's really funny with that being the last time England have made it that far and a lot of like footage and a lot of now, obviously because England are back in that position in 2018, a lot of footage from that time is coming out with the greats of Bobby Robson, the manager of England at the time and obviously Gary Lineker, Bryce's man. Um, My boy. All the goals in that time. Best mate. But yeah, it, it's funny when, you know, uh, old history comes up as a result of new history being uh, born, I guess. So, yeah. yeah. How's that? Almost three decades. And it's, it's, I can't believe when I read it that it's only the third time England have ever been in the semi finals of the World Cup. Like, I just find that like, it astounding is and- considering their pedigree. Hmm. Uh, and then it's Croatia's second as well. So, it's a big, it's a big moment for both nations. And that's my World Cup rewind. Beautiful. All right. We'll leave it there. Uh, leave it there, gents, for this episode. That has been episode 10 of the Shooting Czars World Cup podcast. Thank you, Bryce. Thank you, Alex. Absolute pleasure. Cheers. Cheers, guys. No worries. We had a few technical glitches, but we got there in the end. We'll be back in the coming days to talk all about the semifinals and uh, the final days of the FIFA World Cup. Only about a week to go left of this tournament. And how good has it been so far? That's all from us. I'm Stuart Marshall, and you were listening to the Shooting Czars World Cup podcast. Here comes Tim Kane.